the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, Proverbs describes some things that God hates. Hates is a pretty strong word, isn't it? These are things you don't want to do because these are things that God hates. What are they? Those things are found in the sixth chapter of the book of Proverbs. And Pastor Leighton Sheely will take us there in just a few moments on this edition of Study Verse by Verse. So glad to have you along. Perhaps you're a regular listener. If so, and if you've not gotten in touch, let us know that you listen. If you're brand new, well, you might have some questions for us. Both of you, or all of you, can get in touch through the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us. There's a contact link right there on the homepage. Plus information about just exactly how worship is taking place right now at Church of the Highlands. So uh, check us out at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. And here's Pastor Layton. Proverbs 6.16. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty or proud eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and the last one, one who sows discord, dissension, division among the brothers. Someone who dis, uh, causes division amongst people. That is an activity, a behavior that God hates. And sometimes people do that in church. In fact, some people think that they're doing God a favor. They're on a mission from God, and they sow up uh, division and dissension. And that's been true throughout the history of the church right back to the first church. And we know that because the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Often your meetings do more harm than good, because I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. You got clicks and you got rumors and you got this and you got that. There are divisions among you. He says, Your meetings do more harm than good. What is he saying? Why don't you just stay home? Because it'd be better off for everybody if you did. Your division, your meetings, you do more harm than good because I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And then there's another metaphor that's used to describe the church, and that is it's described as a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reads, The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though its, many parts, uh, though its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the, the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. What he's saying is, there's some parts, if they, they want to be some other part, but that doesn't make them any uh, less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? That's, both parts are important, are they not? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Every part is important, and every part is different. You remember Joe Montana? Great quarterback, yes? 
great team, 49ers, right? Champions, yes? What would have happened if the 11 guys on the field were all Joe Montana? Joe Montana was the quarterback. He was the center. He was the lineman. He was a linebacker. He was a... You think that team would have won? No, couldn't have won. He was a great quarterback, but I doubt he would be a great lineman. Why? Because linemen are like mountains. They're like 300 pounds of solid muscle. Bubba Paris came and spoke with our men uh, one time, and he was a lineman. And he told a story about how he was blocking the guy in front of him, and Montana was back and looking for a receiver, and uh, Bubba Paris saw that one of the opposing team had slipped around behind him and was going to blindside Montana and hurt him. And he had his hands full, but what he did, and he knew it was going to hurt, he stuck his leg out and tripped the guy. And the guy went down, and sure enough, it did hurt. He was in the hospital for it. But, you know, the reason that team worked is because you had a Joe Montana who was a great quarterback. You had a Bubba Paris who was a great lineman. You had a Jerry Rice who was a great receiver. And everybody was doing what they were great at and working together as a team. And that's what it's talking about here. But, in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And now he shifts from... This idea of you don't need me to I don't need you. The eye, eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body. But that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with the gift of administration, those speaking different kinds of tongues. And then he asks this question, are all apostles? And the obvious answer is no. In fact, in the original writing, it's a rhetorical question with an expectation of a negative answer. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. So what is he saying when he says eagerly desire the greater gifts? Well, the greater gift is the one that's appropriate for a particular situation. All right? If you want to drive a nail, you can use a saw, but it's not going to be very effective. And if you want to cut a piece of lumber, you can use a hammer, but it's not going to be very effective. But when a hammer is driving a nail or a saw is cutting wood, things are working as they should. The tool is appropriate for the task. The gift is appropriate for the situation. We are a body and we function primarily on the basis of spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, 4, it says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We each have different gifts according to the grace given us. Now, some people were raised in churches where the only ministry that took place was done by somebody in the collar or with a title or with a degree. But listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. 
God gave some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. God gave some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of ministry. Who is it that's supposed to do the ministry? God's people. To prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ might be built up. God's people, if you're one of God's people, you are called to ministry. And we as pastors and teachers are here to equip and support you in your ministry. Most of the ministry that takes place here at Church of the Highlands is done by God's people, not the pastoral staff. We have hundreds that are involved in greeting and ushering, in children's programs, in youth ministries, in growth groups, in evangelistic outreaches, in seasonal programs, in connections. We have a huge task before us. And we need everybody active in their spiritual gift. We need it all hands on deck, if you will. Now, there's another metaphor that's used to describe the church, and that is that the church is a flock, flock of sheep. This is Jesus' favorite description of the church. And when he calls us sheep, it should not be confused as being any kind of compliment because it's not. You see, sheep are dumb. It's not a compliment. Sheep cannot run. They cannot fight. They cannot hide. And when their fleece becomes full of mud and stuff like that, if they fall over, they can't even get themselves back up again. They need a shepherd to raise them up. And so the church is therefore cared for and led by shepherds. Or if you want to be more accurate, under shepherds who report to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. In John chapter 21, Jesus is restoring Peter after Peter's failure. And he asks Simon Peter, do you really love me? And Simon Peter says, yes, Lord. And what did Jesus say? Then take care of my sheep. Who is it that takes care of sheep? A shepherd. He was called to be a shepherd. Now, there are three different terms in the New Testament that are used interchangeably to describe leaders in the church. One of them is shepherd, poimen in the original language. Another is elder, presbyteros. Another one is overseer, which in the original language is episkopos. And these three terms are used interchangeably. Let me give you some examples. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. To the elders, presbyteros, I say, be shepherds, poimen, be shepherds of God's flock, serving as overseers, episkopos. It's addressing one group of leaders, but leaders, but it's using the three terms. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 17 and 18. Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders, presbyteros of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, guard yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, episkopos, be pastors, poimen of the church of God. He's talking to one group of leaders, but he's using these three terms to describe them. And then we find in Scripture a list of qualifications for being a leader in the church. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It reads, Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. Temperate. Self-controlled. Respectable. Hospitable. Able to teach. 
Not given to drunkenness. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. This series from Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is called Family Matters. And how important is it to think about our church as a family group? Well, very important. He'll continue tomorrow. I hope you can join us then. This is an outreach of the church supported in part by the congregation and by you, our listeners. If you'd like to become a part of the team, you can do that easily when you go to the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You can also find past broadcasts and messages right there on the website, plus information about how worship and ministry is taking place at Church of the Highlands. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day, and join us tomorrow if you can as we study verse by verse.